affect how it will impact the results of being filled with the Spirit in your lives. It will affect your worship life. We're going to look at that today. It'll affect your wedded life. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect uh, your work life. It'll affect your, your war life, by the way. That spiritual battle he talks about in Ephesians 6. It'll affect your witness life. And so today we're going to start expounding that first one, uh, our worship life. Be filled with the Spirit uh, because it'll affect your worship life. Let's read together in the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll, do, we'll read verses 18 through 20 for purpose, although I won't make it through verse 19, I'm sure. Uh, read that together. He says again, reviewing from last week, and be not drunk with wine wherein there's excess, but be filled with the Spirit, a command there. But notice something with me. There's no period there. It's a semicolon. Y'all see that? This is the same sentence. It's continuing. The sentence isn't over. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Still no period. Y'all see that? Semicolon. We're still in one sentence. Go on, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto, the, unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Semicolon. Still no period. We're still in the same sentence submitting yourselves one to one to another in the fear of God, period. That's a long sentence, isn't it? I'd get in trouble in grammar school if I was right, if I was making a long sentence like that. But hey, Paul's an inspiration to God. He can make as long as he wants. Amen. And so listen, here's the key. This is all one thought. That's why I don't, sometimes we read a verse and we grab this and we go here and we do this. Listen, this is all one thought he's telling us. He says one sentence here. And he's telling us that, first of all, in this sentence, it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful sentence, but he's telling us first thing that, listen, being filled with the Spirit will affect is our worship life. Interesting, he describes the Spirit-filled life first. He describes, when he describes that Spirit-filled life, and he starts to uh, describe it, the first thing he doesn't describe is preaching. First thing he doesn't describe is evangelism or giving or holiness. You know, the first thing he describes is worship. Remember why we were created in the first place? To worship him. And so that's the very first focus here. And it makes sense when you understand the Bible. Paul begins to say, listen, if you're going to be live a life that's spirit-filled, it will affect your worship, and it will begin by the way you worship God. And the reason he does that is simply, the truth I gave you there, worship is a window to your heart. Worship is a window into your heart. When your heart's right with God, listen, here's the bottom line, your worship will be pleasing to God. And so, so the easiest way to know where you stand with the Lord, take a quick, quick, hard look at your worship life. If there is no worship in, the, in your life right now, listen, first and foremost, uh, that probably means you're having a little trouble being filled with the Spirit, and it's trying to get back to the basics. Because when our heart's right, our worship will be right. Again, one sentence all the way through here. Think about all he said in this one sentence. He connects being filled with the Holy Spirit. He connects it with proper worship. He connects it with having a thankful heart. He connects it with fear of the Lord, being in a right relationship with others, putting others first, submitting one another, uh, uh, submitting ourselves one to another. So, so when I'm thankful, here's the key, is what he's saying. When I'm, thank, when, I, when I'm filled with the Spirit, I'll be thankful. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I'll have a, a, a reverential fear of the Lord. When I'm filled with the Spirit, I'll, I'll walk humbly and put others before myself. And when I'm filled with the Spirit, I'll be full of worship, and I'll worship in a manner that's pleasing 
to the Lord. So today, here's what we want to look at. What is spirit-filled worship? Everybody has their own idea of this. Oh, that was sure a spirit-filled worship service. I've heard that a million times. Sometimes it probably was. Amen. Sometimes it might not have been. We all have our own definition. I'm not interested. You, you shouldn't be interested in my definition. And to be honest, I shouldn't be interested in yours. I don't need to be interested in some other, some other camp meetings definition. I don't need to be interested in Pentecostal definition. I don't need to be interested in the, the, the Baptist definition. I need to be interested in the biblical definition. And that's what Paul's going to give us here. So let's take a look at it together. Spirit-filled worship. And if, so the idea here what we're going to look at is what is spirit-filled worship according to the Bible? Spirit-filled worship described. He tells us about it. Look with me, first of all, as we look at verse 19. It involves speaking. It involves speaking. Look what it says in verse 19. He tells us, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking to yourselves. Now, again, we have all kinds of ideas what it is to worship. Some, some believe worship is, listen, I sit quietly. I never move a muscle. Uh, you know, I just sit there, and it's about all being quiet and reverent. Some of us were brought up that way, right? Some of you, if you ever made it, I mean, you made a mouth squeak in church, your mom or dad let you know about it. <laughs> and, and back in those days, they didn't mind sparing the rod, right? <laughs> and they'd do it right in church in front of everybody and didn't worry about social services getting called. We probably need to go back to some of those days, but that's a whole other thing. But, uh, but listen, but some believe it's the exact opposite. Some is, listen, you're not, it's not spirit-filled if we're, people aren't screaming and running the aisles and shouting and waving and, and everything in between. What does the Bible say? That's what I'm more interested in. How about you? I'm more interested in that. And By the way, I have no problem with either one of those if the Lord's in it. If the Lord's in it. Uh, biblical worship, I believe, somewhere falls in between that and the way Paul describes it here. In verse 19, he tells us exactly what spirit-filled worship's like. To comprehend all he's saying, we, we, we kind of exact, just got to break down the words. Y'all know we're going to do that. So, so let's look at it. That word speaking comes from a word, laleo, and it literally means this, to utter a voice or emit a sound. So it should be a little bit audible. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it shouldn't just be super quiet, no matter how many times you were beaten for making a sound in church when you were a kid. It, it, you got to it, it's a noise you got you got you're going to emit something and you're going to emit it verbally with your voice it says you're going to emit a sound and and that implies you can't participate in public worship and remain silent it's talking about speaking and speaking to yourselves here if we're going to fulfill that command in this verse we got to open our mouths we got to move our tongues a little bit and we got to allow sounds to come out now, there are some good sounds. We've covered this many times, but there are some good ones to make in church, like amen. That's a good sound to make in church. How many agree with that? Hallelujah. Listen, that's universal. You can go anywhere in the world. They understand what that word means. Hey, how about praise the Lord? Praise be unto God. And I mean, we got all kinds of words. Glory, that's a good one. I mean, all kinds of words we can do. And so, so try a couple with me. Let's, let's try amen. Amen. Y'all try that. How about glory? Let's try glory. All right. How about hallelujah? How about praise the Lord? See, you can do it. <laughs> you just proved you can do it. Amen. And uh, you got to make some noise if you're going to worship. That's what he's saying here. Speaking, emit noise with your mouth. But, hold on. Although all those are wonderful. Amen. How these all. He gets a little more specific. See, it's not just saying those type words, but it's actually using your mouth 
to sing. Mm, to sing. It involves speaking. It involves singing. That was my second point. Look at verse 20, 19 again. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He goes on to tell us what type of speaking we're to do here. We're to, we're to do it in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, he says, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. He's talking about uh, singing. The truth I gave is a spirit-filled Christian will be a singing Christian. It'll be a singing Christian. And if we're going we're to sing as part of the worship to God, it implies we've got to open our mouths and let some words come out, right? It's got to happen. Now, I'm going to tell you here, our Baptist circles, we're, we're pretty bad about this. I used to sit up there. I would tell you the participation rate in the worship and the singing of praises and songs unto God is less than 50% in our, in our church. I can't speak their bells, I'm just telling you ours, because I see your mouths. We're too cool to sing. Now, here's the problem. You're saying I'm not spirit-filled. Because the number one thing to be in spirit, first thing in the list before you get to anything else is, listen, you'll want to sing songs and worship the Lord. So if you don't want to sing songs and worship the Lord, you need to check up on your walk with God. You said that's a hard truth. Yes, it's a hard truth, but it's a truth. And it's right out of the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be the most boisterous, because if you sing like I do, you better sing a little quieter. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you'll want to sing. That, that stuff, that'll resonate out of your soul, and, and, it, and it'll come out of your mouth, he said. That's what true spirit-filled Christian will be. They'll be a singing person that, that, that lets sounds issue out of their mouth. And, and again, some, of, some folks never even uh, open their mouths. They, they sit like a lump on a log or like a wart on a... On a Frog or hog or whatever. I don't know. Do hogs have warts? I knew frogs do. I mean, <laughs> or they give you warts or something. And, uh, and here's what you're doing. Listen to me carefully. You are robbing God of the glory that he commanded you to give him. Be filled with the Spirit is a command. The number one thing a Spirit-filled Christian will be will be to speak and sing songs unto the Lord. So can I ask you today, are you Spirit-filled? How's your singing? You say, I can't carry a tune. I can't either. Just sing it out anyway. Somebody say amen. He just said make a joyful noise. He didn't say make, a, make one in, in key or harmony. Amen. And he says here, hey, be filled with the Spirit. Sing, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart. So, in other words, the word speaking involves involvement you got to be involved you can't participate in the verbal worship of the lord if the tongue doesn't move if sounds aren't made by the way it's in the present tense that means we do it now and we do it always and and that's what it's telling us so when the holy spirit's in control of our lives and we're filled with the holy spirit it'll lead to a singing christian a spirit-filled christian will be a singing christian now he goes on to tell us how and the type of verbal expressions. He goes on to tell us what we're to sing in a way here. And look what he says here. He starts with the word psalms. See that? Speaking to yourselves in psalms. And he goes on to say hymns and spiritual psalms. What are those? You know we're going to break it down. Well, the word psalms literally comes from the word uh, psalmos. And it literally means this. A striking, a twanging, a striking of chords on a musical instrument. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's okay to have instruments. Somebody say amen. It's right there in the Bible. It's what the word means. Uh, 
I know there's a lot of, a lot of brothers and sisters and other groups out there, oh, we can't have instruments. It's got to be all voice. You better look up the word, that word one time and find out what it means. Hey, it's, it's the, the striking of the chords of a musical instrument. It's the idea. And, it, and you literally get the definition strong and fair. says this, it's a striking, it's a twanging. Somebody say amen. They were country. <laughs> had, it had a little twang to it and uh, was the idea. And so, so listen, there, there, there's some chords that should be strike, struck here. And here's what it's, he's really referencing. Ultimately, it's a direct reference to the singing that was done with instruments of the Psalms. Many, talking about the Old Testament Psalms, but not just scriptural. There were other ones as well that they would sing in the early church. And here's why. They didn't have church. They didn't have a screen. And they didn't have a, a, a we call that a hymnal. And they didn't have all these things put together. So here's what they'd do. They'd just open up God's hymnal. They'd go over the book of Psalms. They'd put music to it, and they'd start singing. It really means, to, to broaden it out, here's what it really means. It is Scripture set to music. When you read that word Psalms, that's what it means. Scripture set to music. And so when you're, when you're singing just straight-out Scripture that's been set to music, that's what you're doing. You're singing Psalms. And, and, uh, and praise God, listen. Again, they didn't have all those hymnals back then. They didn't even have the Red Book back then from an old time. Way. <laughs> Listen, they, they sang the, the, the Old Testament hymn book, the, the Psalms, and they set that scripture to music. And when our worship spirit filled, that's one of the things that It'll cause us to sing songs that are based in scripture. How about, bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's Psalm 103, y'all know that? How about, uh, how about, but thou, O Lord, are a shield to me. Anybody know that song? Goodness gracious. That'll make the Holy Ghost hair bumps stand up on him. What a song. Just Psalm 3 3. Set to Scripture. We got some newer ones done it, and they got the old some older ones done it. But here's the here's the key. They're, they're just simply this. When you read that word Psalms, it is songs, it is it is literally scripture of any point set to music that is sung by spirit filled people. So spirit filled people will sing scripture to music. That's what he's saying. Are you with me? Everybody with me? If you're with me, say amen. And we got all kinds of definitions of this stuff. Let's just say what the Bible says. Then he goes on to say the word hymns. Y'all see that in verse 19? So we're singing psalms and hymns. What's the difference between psalms and hymns? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, here's, here's the fundamental difference. The word hymns is from the word hymnos. It's a song uttered in praise of God, a sacred song, a song of celebration. Literally could be Maybe said this way, it's a, it's a song of doctrinal content. And so here's, here's the idea. The Psalms, when you song that, that was Scripture itself put to music. Are you with me? Hymns aren't necessarily quoting Scripture put to music, but they are doctrinal truths that, that reflect the truths of Scripture that have been placed with music. And, uh, and so you see the, little, the subtle difference between the two. And that's the subtle difference. And it literally, it's a song with doctrinal content. By the way, it doesn't say they have to be sung from a hymn book there, does it? It doesn't say they have to be sung from a screen either, does it? See, God's not interested in the medium by which we sing the song. He's interested in the content of what we sing glory and worship Him with. We've got to get that straight. So many times we make about the traditions of men and we get so stuck in our traditions. And listen, he don't, care, he, don't, he don't give a rat about any of that. 
He said, listen, if you're spirit-filled, you'll worship me. The number one thing spirit-filled people will do will worship me. They'll sing songs unto me. They'll sing, the, they'll sing scripture put to music. They'll sing doctrinal truths that aren't necessarily quotes of scripture but are put to music. The hymns, listen, they've been used for the year. I'm thankful for the hymns. How about you? I'm thankful for all the hymns. Listen, that content that's in it. It celebrates God the Father. It celebrates the Holy Spirit. It celebrates uh, Jesus Christ the Son. Those, filled, those, those songs filled with doctrinal truths. Songs that declare the glory of God. That speak of His salvation. Songs that talk about the glories and wonders of, of heaven. How many of you are looking forward to that? And They describe His beauty. and They cause us as believers to celebrate and, and worship because of the truths and the doctrines of, uh, that, that are taught from those songs that come from the Scriptures. Through the centuries, listen, the church has used hymns to teach truths. I, I mean, pay attention to some of the songs we sing. There is truth in those songs. They'll help you. They'll, you'll, you'll learn some of your Bible. You won't learn to quote it verse by verse. You'll learn that if you start singing psalms. If you start singing scripture itself. But you'll learn the truths contained in the Bible when a hymn is written and written well. See, back in those days, people didn't own, uh, many people didn't even own their own Bible, right? Most didn't. So preachers and and other people that God used that were just talented in and, and that way would, would pin down songs and, and write these hymns, and, and then they'd go memorize these songs and sing it, and it would, it would educate people in the church on biblical truths. How many of you realize I can, I mean, you can memorize a song like that, can't we? How many of you struggle to memorize scripture, if you get honest? Hey, put some music to it, you'll learn it like that. This is an old truth. And so what they would do, they didn't have Bibles. They, and so the only time they got taught when they would go to church and have a pastor teach them. Or, and so, and so, so, so often, here's what they'd do. They'd, just make, they'd write songs and these talented people that God would use to put down doctrinal truths to music. And they'd sing those songs and they'd leave there knowing more doctrinal truths about their Bible that they didn't have a copy of to read. And, and so that's what it was. In those days, again, they were brimming with biblical truth. Songs like Victory in Jesus. Songs like There's Power in the Blood. Amen. Blessed Assurance. It's well with my soul. Amen. Somebody say amen. I felt something on that. How about How Great Thou Art? Oh, I'm going to give you one here, and I'm going to challenge you with it here in a few minutes. How about Amazing Grace? All right. You can't go wrong with Amazing Grace, right? All these, these songs that we consider today old hymns of the past, or the past maybe. Listen, they revealed the, the glory of God. They taught doctrinal truths, and that was the idea. And, and, and I know we're living in a day where there's, there's some music out there today that, that's shallow and devoid of, of biblical truth. Uh, but I'm telling you what, thank God for the old hymns that were full of it. I'm thankful for them. How about you? Listen, every song we sing in the church should be full of biblical truth. That's the whole idea. Every song should be laid aside the Bible and said, how doctrinally true and sound is this song? We shouldn't just sing it because it has a cool melody. We shouldn't just sing it because it's catchy or it's popular. We should sing it based on scriptural doctrinal truth that help reinforce and teach the truths of the Word of God. When a song reinforces truths of Scripture, here's what it does. It allows us to enter the place where John 4 and 24, when Jesus said this, those that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And you can't worship him in spirit and truth if it's not a doctrinally sound song. No matter how catchy the rest of it is, if it's not doctrinally sound. So, but here's the key. Don't get so caught up in that. It's not all about the melody. It's first and foremost about the truths. 
And that's what hymns were all about. They were songs when we opened our mouth and sung it. Listen, they weren't, we weren't necessarily quoting scripture. That's what we did when we're singing psalms. But when we're singing hymns, that they declare the truths of the Bible and so forth. And again, it doesn't matter what your medium is. It can be a screen. It can be a book. It can be a handed out sheet of paper. It doesn't really matter. It could be something you memorize. It's just when we come together and we sing songs full of doctrinal truth. But then it goes on and says one more. See that? So we got Psalms, we read that, that's scripture set to music. We got hymns, that's, that's not necessarily scripture set to music, but it's scriptural truth or doctrinal truth put in the form of a song that we sing. And then he calls, he's got one more category and he calls it spiritual songs. Y'all see that in verse 19? Speaking yourself in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. That word spiritual psalm comes from the, the word pneumaticos and it has the idea of this, relating to the human spirit or rational soul. As part of the man that is akin to God and serves as his instrument or organ. And one other one put it this way, the non-carnal part of man. In other words, this isn't fleshly. We talked about this on Tuesday night. It's a fine line, good day. And if I could give you all the lines, I'd, I'd do it, but that's a tough line. But it, it is referring to, maybe you break it down this way, it's referring to soulful music. Soulful music. Many times this would include some older songs too, by the way. That doesn't mean necessarily all newer songs. There's some older ones, some older choruses. They may be a little lighter in sound, but they resonate with the soul. How many of you like that song we sing, There's Just Something About That Name? That would fall in that category. That would fall in that. How about God is so good? Y'all don't want me singing. <laughs> I'll do it when the mic's off, amen. <laughs> How about there's coming a day? There is coming a day. Uh, you see, these things have, they, they kind of resonate to the soul. They kind of have a melody, and there's nothing again wrong with that melody as long as it has doctrinal truth is. I'd rather have Jesus. His name is Warner. We, so many songs we could, we could sing there. So it includes many of the older style songs, as we would call it today. But it also includes many of the newer songs, too, by the way. All songs based uh, let me figure out how I was going to say that. Uh, the newer style songs. By the way, all songs, except the songs based on Scripture themselves, were at one time new. Did y'all know that? <laughs> Sometimes we get caught up in this world and we use these words. We'll get to it in a minute, but this word contemporary. Yeah, how many of you heard that word? Hey, do a little, just do a little quick definition of what the word mean. It means new. All new, listen, there's a lot of new that should not be in the church. Somebody say amen on that. Even under the genre of Christian music. But there's a lot of new that needs to be sung in the church. And by the way, there's a few hymns that need to be thrown away that aren't doctrinally sound that we sing all the time. And we can replace it with some of these new ones that are doctrinally sound. Amen. Uh, all new is not bad. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, by the way, Amazing Grace was a contemporary song at one point. Now we consider it a hymn of the faith. Victory in Jesus was a brand new song at one point. In fact, every song we sing, whether it's out of that hymn book or whether it's off a screen or whatever, every song we sing, unless it is Psalms itself, based on Scripture, is a new song. Are you with me? Every single song you sing. Oh, I'm all about the red book. I'm about the blue book. I'm about this book. I'm about, I'm about all the books. Amen. If it's doctrinally sound and God gets glory out of it and it proclaims the truth of Scripture, by golly, let's sing it. If it's not, it needs to go in the trash can, file 13. 
I don't care if it's an old one or a new one. That's where it goes. And I don't care if it's an old one or a new one. If it lifts up Jesus and proclaims doctrinal truth, by golly, let's let her rip. Amen. Let's praise the Lord with it. And so, so are you with me? Make sure you're with me. Because there's some good ones. I'm telling you. How about, how great is our God? Y'all know that song? How great is our God? Hey, that, that fall in that category. Doctrinally sound. Scripturally accurate. Soulful. You can worship on that song. How about Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone? A newer version of the classic, right? That wasn't a classic forever. It was a new song at one point, right? Huh. How about He Knows My Name? If that don't feed your soul, then you need to get saved. Somebody say amen. <laughs> How about I Have Been Blessed? I know half my brethren won't sing that song in their churches. Oh, that equates an emotional experience. Isn't it doctrinally sound? Does it proclaim the truth of Scripture? Then by golly, let's sing it. <laughs> I have been blessed. So many others. There's songs. Here's what he's talking about when he says these, these spiritual songs. There's songs that uplift the spirit. There's songs that feed the soul. And again, not all new songs are evil. And again, there was a day when, that, when Amazing Grace was a contemporary song and so forth. So the age of the song is not the criteria by which we should judge it, no matter what anybody tells you. The content of the song is what the criteria by which we should judge it. How does it line up with this? That's what we judge a song by. And that's what Paul said, by the way. It's what we're reading right here. He covered all categories. He said, sing the ones that are pure scripture set to music. That's Psalms. Hey, sing the hymns that proclaim doctrinal truths after doctrinal truths that you can use to teach the word of God. That's hymns. And then he says this, hey, sing some that feed the soul and uplift the spirit too. Whether new or old, if they're accurate, let's sing them. That's what he's trying to say. The key here isn't the age of it. It's how doctrinal sound they are. Because we that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. they got to be true, right? See, some of these songs, when you get in this category, the spiritual songs, some of them hang around for just a little bit, then they fade out. But I'm telling you what, others stay for the, for through the ages. But here's they all serve to lift our hearts and, with joy and adoration to the Lord. That's the idea. They help us articulate sometimes the love and joy we have for the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, I'm thankful for that. So when you think about spirit-filled worship here, involves those who know the Lord singing songs that honor and glorify Him. And it should be intensely biblical in the lyrics of the song because the lyrics are what we're praising Him with. We're speaking it, we're singing it unto Him. So that's the criteria which we go by. We should take the Bible. He said, how do, how do you figure it out? Well, I'm telling you what, this is the dividing issue in every church and every group. I get all that. Here's the way I approach it. You can use it. I, I put them in there, my questions. I've always asked this. Since Stephen could tell you this when he was a music leader. I always listen to this. We just went through this. List. Is it biblical? Okay. That's, that's, that's priority number one. Is it biblical? By the way, there's still them in our hymn book that ain't biblical. Can I get an amen? You go read some of them. They're not accurate. They need to be excommunicated from our hymnals, what they need to be. And by the way, there's some new ones that aren't biblical. But there's a whole lot of new ones that are, and there's a whole lot of old ones that are. And we're going to sing those, amen? Does it preach the gospel? By golly, it helps teach and edify. If it helps proclaim the gospel, by golly, should we not only sing? We should sing it twice. Somebody say amen on that. 
<laughs> Does it bring glory to the Lord? Does it edify the church and uplift the spirit? Listen, and here's my big criteria. Because this is, again, what did he say? He didn't say, hey, go make a bunch of music and let the music control everything. The emphasis is on the doctrine and the words of the song. Whether it was scripture, whether it was truths about the scripture, or whether it was songs that edify and uplifted, or words that edify and uplifted the soul. The emphasis was always on the content, the words of the song. Are you with me? That you put to music. Thank God for music. So here's my criteria. Hey, listen, there's a lot of new songs that I actually like, that I'll listen to going up and down the road a lot, that I probably wouldn't allow in church if I'm the pastor. Here's why. The music leads. That's my definition. If the words lead, that's where the emphasis is. If the music accompanies it and the music is complementary to it and, and helps us edify, then that's great. But if the music leads and the music blares and, and you've got to really dig in to find out what they're even saying, then you're missing it. Does that make sense? And so I believe that's a, a great way to just kind of look at it, or at least my way, and maybe it's not great, but that's what I do. There's a lot of songs, again, I listen to all over the place that have no business in church. And I got my brothers and sisters to be critical of that. So, golly, if it ain't good enough, church shouldn't have it at your home. Well, okay, well, you go turn your football game off too, sir. I'm going to watch it, but you can go turn yours off since you feel that way. Because you're not going to come show that in church either, are you? But you're going to watch it at home. See how hypocritical we sometimes get it? As preachers, by the way, I'm talking to preachers right now. We'll go turn the race on this evening. Oh, yeah, we've got to watch them go around in circles. But I'm telling you what, I would never listen to some song because it's got a little bit of beat in it in my car on the way home because I couldn't do that in church. If I couldn't do it in church, I wouldn't do it at home. Why do we do other stuff at home? That's about the silliest argument I've ever heard in my life. That's why people look at us and say, y'all are so fake. You're so hypocritical. I'm talking about preachers still, not y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about me now, right? <laughs> Listen, it's all about the content. And by the way, again, there's some new ones that are even better than ones we've seen now. And Paul's telling us, here's what we should be doing. He tells us what we should be singing. We should listen, as a spirit-filled Christian, one of the first things, the first thing in the entire list he's going to cover, really through the rest of this book, is this. You'll be folks who worship. And you'll be folks who worship by speaking or singing songs, setting songs to music, whether it's a psalm, scripture put to music, whether it's a hymn, a song just full of doctrinal truth with the emphasis of teaching you scripture, scriptural truths, or whether it's a song that is uh, a spiritual song that uplifts and encourages the spirit and the soul. He said all of them are fine. He said set on the music and sing them so God gets glory. And participate in it. Because spirit-filled people will participate and speak with their mouths. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning, Lord. and Help us to be one of those type churches, Lord. Help us to be that type of Christian, Lord, that does not rob you of the glory you commanded us to give you. Lord, it's hard to walk around as some, some, some do and claim to be so spirit-filled, but we'll never open our mouth and sing praises unto you. Lord, that spend more time worried about the genre than they do the content. Lord, Paul wrote on the inspiration of God clearly right here. He defined all three, and he says it's all about the content, the content, the content. So help us sing songs, Lord, that are either Scripture themselves 
or that are doctrinally sound, that help teach those scriptures and the principles from scripture, or that edify and uplift the soul. Lord, that always glorify you and help us to be obedient people that participate in the worship by speaking and singing with our mouths the glory and the worship you deserve. And we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.